Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you guys are here this morning and to be a part of our worship service. Thank you, Andy, for helping us lead out this morning in worship. Thank you for that. Um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Revelations chapter 2. We're going to continue our study of the seven churches. We took a break momentarily last week, but this week we're going to continue and uh, we're going to run through uh, one more, the, the next church in the seven churches. Um, and if you remember, I just want to, I, I like to set the stage. If you remember, John is where? He's on the island of Patmos. He's isolated there. He's been sent to, to solitary confinement by the Roman government. And uh, we see in the text that God shows up in the middle of his isolation, in the midst of all of his um, dealings and all the things that are going on with him. And, and so we're going to look at this in Revelation chapter 1. It starts off, he tells us, I like to just read this just because we, to get a running start at this in Revelation chapter 1. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's today. That's on a Sunday. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And behind me, I heard a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write the things that you see in a book and send them to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So we've got these seven churches, and we've gone through all of them um, up to uh, last week, or last time we had uh, Pergamum. This week, we're going to look at the church of Thyatira. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. And it's going to be, we're going to start in verse 18. Verse 18. Uh, so I'll read this and then we'll dive into some more stuff. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and your faith, and your service, and your patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you you have tolerance for that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, and to eat the uh, food that's sacrificed to idols. I will give her time to repent. But she refuses. I'm sorry. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to do so. Uh, she re- refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into a great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the children. I'm sorry. All the church will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to these teachings, who have not learned what some are calling the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you uh, these burdens. Only hold fast what is you, I'm sorry, Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers, the one who keeps my word until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with an iron rod as when the earth pots are broken onto pieces, even as myself I have received authority from the Father and I will give him the morning star He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says 
for the churches. And there's a lot going on in Thyatira. There's a, there's a lot happening there. But I will say this. If you do your history and you do your study of Thyatira, Thyatira was not as flamboyant. Um, it, it just wasn't as flamboyant. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like Smyrna or Pergamum where there's all this flashy stuff. It was more of a military outpost. It was actually set up by Alexander the Great. And it was designed to guard Pergamum. So it was Pergamum's guard city. And, and the, the reality is that um, the main god that was worshipped in Thyatira was Apollo. Interesting enough. Notice how God says something about his character and nature in every one of the churches. As he's opening up the the lines, he says, to the angel of the church, to the angel of the church, to the angel of the church. And then he gives something about himself. With Pergamum, he said, he talked about the power of his mouth, the power of his word, the power of his, his mouth is like a sword. This week, look at this. He says this. Write this. To the church of Thyatira, the words of the Son of God. Now, I find it interesting. I thought, why, why, why do we need to tell him that about who he is? Apollo was the main god that was worshipped in Thyatira, which Apollo goes by, guess what? The title of the Son of God. Interesting, right? I just found that, when I read that, Tell the church that I'm the Son of God, not Apollo. I know Apollo is being worshipped as the Son of God. And there's all these rituals that are happening. And there's all these things that are going on in the church. And people are worshipping this, this guy named Apollo. That was the military god that people worshipped in this military town. But uh, I'm, the, I'm the Son of God, not Apollo. Not Apollo. So it's this... Uh, This first thing that Jesus does, the first and foremost thing is he tells the church who he is. I'm the son of God. That's no accident. That's no accident. So Jesus starts out, first and foremost, I am the son of God. No false God will steal the glory of Yahweh. Amen. It it will not. There was no false religion. There's no false God that will steal his glory. So he makes sure that first thing out of the gate, he tells the pastor of the church and he says, look at my eyes are like a flame of fire. This is like two high intensity laser focused beams that go into the depth of the church. He sees all. He knows all. Nothing is hidden from God Almighty. So when he writes this, he says, whose eyes are like a flame of fire. Like his eyes see everything. He goes to and fro from all over the earth. There's nothing that's hidden from God. And when we understand that Jesus is all present and with every moment, with every, every one of us in, the, in these moments, we're far less likely to engage in sin when we begin to think out loud in our minds. God is all present. God's with me wherever I go. God's with me with, when I'm in the midst of the shady business that I'm in. God's with me when I am sitting in places that I shouldn't sit or going to places I shouldn't go and hanging out with people I shouldn't hang out with. God is present there. There is no hiding from, from God. We can't ever hide from Him. And when we come to that realization, we're far less likely to chase down sin. Rather, we will want to 
commune with God Almighty and stay clear of sin. But this, uh, this first thing he's telling us, he says, my eyes are like a flame of fire. I see everything. And not only do I see everything, my feet are like burnished bronze. Burnished bronze in the scripture is a sign of God's judgment. So God's judgment is tranching through the trenches of this church saying, listen, I've got something. He starts out, he always tells them, listen, I've got something good for you. You're doing really well here. You're doing really well. But his, his tranching through the church, is, he says, your false doctrine that you have, your, your, this, this false doctrine is not going to taint the church. And this, these feet of bronze are like feet of judgment. But the tone he sets, the first thing out of the gate, when he first sets the tone in verse 19 and 20, he tells the church something, that they're they're doing something really well. He starts out and he says, you folks folks are loving well. You're doing this. Listen, I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, and your patience, and your endurance. And, And not only that, you're doing better today than you were yesterday. You're doing better today than you were yesterday. So God starts off the the letter with what they're doing right. Like, listen, church, I know you're loving people well. You have great service. You have faith in me. And listen, you're doing better than you were six months ago. You were doing, like, when you started this thing 20 years ago, you're doing better. That should be a sign of of a maturing Christian. We should be growing in our faith. We should be doing better today than we were 10 years ago. Amen? We should be doing better today than we were five years ago, six years ago. Some of us even, we should be doing better today than we were a year ago. That's a sign of maturing in our faith. So God tells the church, you're doing well. I'm really pleased with this. But he says, I've got a problem. With most churches, he's got a, he's got a little bit of a problem. Because guess what? The, sin, the, the church is filled with fallen people, so they're not perfect. Anybody in the room Perfect. Pam just said, did you say Sam was perfect? I thought I, thought I saw you put your hand up and say, he was perfect. All right, never mind. I'm just checking. But he says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And the teaching, these teachings that seduce my servants to practice sexual morality. I don't know what it is about false teachers, false doctrines, false cults, and just rampant sexual morality. Like it just blows. I don't understand it. But it, it's not anything, you know, we see all these different cults and different, even like David Koresh down in tech when he was before they burned him out. Like I watched the documentary on that guy. He's a strange cat. He's a weird dude. He really was. He was a strange guy. So the church is... Yes, it's headed in in an upward trajectory, but it has an issue. The church is allowing false doctrine to be taught in the church. A lady named Jezebel, we're not sure if that's actually her name, or that that she has nothing to do, she's not the same Jezebel that's in 1 Kings, but she does have the same spirit as that Jezebel. Um, So he says nothing's going to harm the church more than false doctrine. To be taught and to pushed out, be pushed out into the members of the church. Jesus was telling them that they were really on, they're on a right track and they're doing the right things that they're supposed to do. But 
they're messing up in this one area, and this one area could destroy the entire church. If your doctrine's not right, I don't care if you feed the hungry. If your doctrine's not right, I don't care if you clothe the naked. You've got to have right and proper doctrine because if you don't have proper doctrine, it will mess up everything else that's going on inside of your faith and your church. It'll destroy it all, wreck the whole thing. And in this town, as, as, as with many that worship these false gods, they engage in this sexual immorality. And if a Christian did not engage in these things, and I did some, I was reading some different things, and if Christians didn't engage in this, type of worship they could lose their jobs because they'd be looked at as people that are stifling that religion so they could lose their jobs they could be ostracized so they're like well I just so we have this woman that steps in and starts to teach a, a, a Sunday school class in essence and she starts telling um, these people hey listen you don't want anybody. You don't want to lose your jobs, do you? No, no, no. You can, you can, you can engage in this stuff. You can do this if you, if you engage. If you don't engage in this, you're going to be in trouble. So what happens? Rather than out and out coming out against it and risking their jobs, they start mixing the worship of God with the worship of the world. And they had a woman who was teaching this within the walls of the church. She taught that. That you don't have to lose your jobs. Rather, you can enjoy the, what's offering or what's offered at, at the worship centers for Apollo and these different worship centers. And you can mix that in. You can, you can have a little bit of Jesus and you can have a little bit of the world. You have a little bit of this, you have a little bit of that. We're, because in reality, it's all the same God anyways. We're just, you know, expressing our faith in a different way. That's what, and that's, that junk's being taught today. I heard it this week. Uh, the lead pastor of Hillsong Church, Brian Houston, stood on a stage and said, Allah and Jesus are the same. And we just need to understand that we're all worshiping the same God. We just have a different name. <sighs> That's hell. That's the reason I'm not a big fan of Hillsong or their music. Because they teach false doctrine. They teach false ideologies. They teach that we can don't have to really repent of our sins or have any problems. We just, just believe. Have a good time. And you can worship whoever you want to worship. And we all worship the same God. This is what Jezebel, this is the spirit of Jezebel. You don't have to lose your jobs. You don't have to do any of these things. She used intellectual, an intellectual approach to worshiping God. She had a smooth tongue and she was able to convince people to follow after this worldview. Listen, don't be, she said, like, she said, don't be so stuffy and hope. This is what Jezebel said. That, I know that they, those Christians are following after the Bible. That's stuffy. You know, that's, I found a freeing way to follow God. Look at all the things you can do. You can engage in whatever you want sexually. You can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. That's the enemy's lie to us. Listen, you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to give up your sins. You don't have to repent. You can do whatever you want. There's no call to abandon self or sin. Rather, there's this inclusive worldview that says, we're all getting there. Have the Oprah Winfrey approach. We're all getting to God eventually. All roads lead to God. We're just on different paths. Hogwash. That is a lie from the enemy. 
I think of Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And there are very few that find it. Guys, Satan is a master at deception. He has done a fantastic job. He has this, this big banner that, that is, it's pasted up and says, this way to heaven. You can, you can, everybody's going to go to heaven eventually. Everybody's getting there. You just follow whatever worldview you want. As long as it's not the Bible, you can do whatever you want. You can engage in any type of lifestyle you want to engage in. You can pursue sin. You don't have to be, you don't have to forgive. You don't have to even harbor bitterness. You can think or believe or say or do whatever you want and there's no problems. This way to heaven. You don't have to give up your sin. There's no repentance required. No, no sacrifice. No actual biblical worldview. You just walk in and do whatever you want. That's what the enemy is teaching. There's two ways that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. One is wide, and it's easy to get through. There's no abandoning of self. There's no, necess- there's no needing for you to, to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Son of God. You can believe whoever it is, whatever you want, do whatever you want, and there's no sacrifice that's going to need it. You just do your thing. I like to call it the, country, the uh, gospel according to the country music. Five-card poker on a Saturday night, church on Sunday morning. Get wasted on Saturday night, drag myself into church on Sunday morning. That's not biblical Christianity. That is a false worldview, and those people are doomed. Okay, that's not. It's not very happy. There is good news that Jesus can forgive. He's, that's what. That's what. He, the whole idea of this is in Matthew chapter seven. It is is that Jesus says. The gate is narrow. You have to give up everything. Everything has to be abandoned. And you come to Christ not on your own merits. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ completely stripped of everything. You come in by His grace and His grace alone. You don't get in by your works or your merit. Your good works do not get you into heaven. You being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Because here's the thing. The Bible says that there's none righteous. No, not one. Every one of us is wicked to the core and depraved to the core and deserve God's wrath. But because Jesus loves us, He has given us the opportunity to find grace at the foot of the cross. The devil is a liar and he's really good at it. He convinces you and I that what we're doing is not wrong and it's not bad. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that because we suppress the truth and we don't want the truth anymore, we just simply, the God says, okay, you don't want to believe the truth? You want to suppress it? I'm going to cause you to believe what you're doing is right. And we live in a world right now where people are doing things that are blatantly are just expressly told by the word that this is wrong. This is blatant sin. And people are saying, it's not sinful. There's nothing wrong with this. I was born this way. I can do whatever I want. How dare you judge me? Who are you? I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what the word of God says. I hate it. This is is the thing that bothers me. 
concerns me. When people say, Caleb, I've had this been, I've had this told to me multiple times. Caleb, only God can judge me. Yeah, he can. That should terrify you. That should terrify you. Because God will judge the wicked. And if you are not covered by the grace and blood of Christ, you are in trouble. But if you're covered by the grace and blood of Christ, you're in, you're saved. The devil is a liar. And he convinces you and I that we can get into heaven any old way. You don't really have to follow Jesus. You can follow whoever you want. Buddha, Krishna, Allah, Jim down the street, whoever, whatever. I I think it's interesting. Notice this woman proclaimed herself a prophetess. (laughs) She called herself, she was not a prophetess, but she called herself one. Listen, what's it saying? That woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. If you've got to call yourself a prophetess, if you've got to call yourself a prophetess, you're not a prophetess. You got, when you see people on TV when they call themselves uh, apostle or bishop or, or some fancy name that they like to have a title for, number one, apostles are only people that were had, had Christ that had a direct interaction with Jesus Christ. So that's, that's out. So when you see people call themselves prophetesses or prophets or apostles or bishops or whatever you want to have, throw a title on, that, there should be red flags everywhere. There are people that stand in churches just like this and they give themselves, they give themselves titles and they wear these silly looking robes and they do all these silly things in and, and, and the name of Jesus and it's profaning the name of God, not exalting the name of God. So, so mixture of and worship of the things of God and the things of the world are expressly condemned here. Listen to verse 21. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual morality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. He gave the woman time to repent. God is giving you and I time to repent. Like, people say, well, I wish Jesus would hurry up and come back. Man, I do too, but man, some of us, he's giving you time to repent and your, your, your arrogance and you think you've got this thing figured out. It's dangerous. He gave her time to repent, but she didn't. It's flabbergasting to me that that so many of our people are given opportunities to repent of their sins, yet they do not do so. They play the dangerous game of, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to go to hell. It's somebody else. I'm not going to die. It's going to be somebody else that dies. You and I don't have the promise of being here next week. And so we sin and we think that there will be no repercussions to our sin. I'm guilty of it too. I've sinned thinking, oh, I'll be fine. And then the Holy Spirit convicts. This is why we should be quick to repent. Because she, so because she did not repent, look what happens to her in verse 22. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into a great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. This... She was thrown into a sick, into a sick bed. She, in her life, 
She had this life of luxury. She, had, she committed sexual immorality, and, and typically in those types of scenarios, it's a luxurious bed. It's a nice, comfy place where she commits these sins. So God gives the picture, the word picture here, that because she is not repentant of her sexual immorality, I'm going to throw her into a sick bed. She will be thrown into this sick bed because of this adultery and this, this, this filth. God gives this woman a bed in hell. That's what this wording is. She has a bed in hell to live out her life in hell forever. I think of Luke chapter 6, verse 25 and uh, through 30. Woe to you who are full now. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you who... When all people speak well of you, for their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, that are engaging and being a part of false doctrines and teaching these things out. And they, and they, call, they claim to be Christians. They claim to know Christ. There are people that are sitting in churches right now who claim to know Christ, yet they have no fruit, no hunger, no desire, no longing for righteousness. And Jesus says, woe to you that if you feel full now, oh, I've got all of God I need. I don't really need to even go to church. I don't even really need to read my Bible. I'm good. I've had people tell me this. I don't really need to have prayer right now. I'm good. I don't know about you. I'm not good. I need prayer. Amen? I don't need to get into the Bible. I'm good this week. I'll wait till next Sunday. I don't need to really get into the Word. I'm good. Woe to you who are full now. You think you've got it all figured out because you're going to be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. You laugh at the silliness. You say, oh, those crazy old narrow-minded Bible thumpers, they're so silly. They don't know what they're talking about. They're out of their minds. They're stupid. They're, un- they're not intelligent. They're backwoods hicks. They believe this fairy tale, old school book. It's not really, it's an inspiring book, but it's not the inspired word of God. Woe to you who laugh at this now because you're going to mourn and you're going to weep. And woe to you who when people speak well of you all the time. For their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. Oh man. You know? Now Joel Osteen, he's a good old boy. He's a great guy. He's got some positive words. T.D. Jakes, he's an awesome fellow. I like to hear him preach. No, he doesn't preach. He's a motivational speaker that doesn't believe in the Trinity. Those are problematic. There are false prophets. And if you notice, not only will God deal with the teacher of these false doctrines, but he will also throw the followers of this trash into a great tribulation. Not a, just a tribulation, but a great tribulation. He will search, he searches the mind and the heart. And all those who do not repent of their sins will have the bronze feet of judgment run through their life. And he comes back around and says to those, I love how he ends it, because he, 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 it's like, a, it's like a, you're doing good, here's the bad, here's some good. So Jesus has this sandwich that's just good, bad, good. So he, he tells the church, listen, here's the thing, you're, 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 you're doing really good, you're better than you were, but you're letting this lady come in here and teach? Like, no, don't let her teach. Just like he said with the, with the Nicolaitans, these false, like churches are 
susceptible to having false doctrines and false teachers come in if we're not guarding the doctrine of the Bible. We start allowing people to come in here that aren't preaching the Bible, they need to be thrown out. The day that I stop teaching, I'm like, hey, listen, today we're not going to use the Bible. Just go ahead and tuck those underneath your Hold your Bibles up real high and put them back underneath your seat. You're not going to use them today. The moment that I stop using the Word of God and we stop going verse by verse and reading the Scriptures, that's the day you throw me out of here. Amen? Amen. You better throw me out. The bronze feet of judgment will come through a church that does not repent of teaching false doctrines. Then he comes back around and he says to those who have not held this teaching, listen, listen to what he says. But to the rest of you, in Thyatira, who do not hold to these teachings, who have not le- learned what is called the, the deep things of Satan. Like, like there's, that's what this is. This is what this Jezebel woman was teaching was the deep things of Satan and the, the, the wickedness of Satan. So he comes back and he says that those who have not held to these teachings, those who have held fast to the gospel and a biblical teaching of what this looks like to follow me, this is what you're, 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 you're going to be okay. I say to you, do not lay on your own or don't lay on you any other burdens. Don't, don't worry about this. You're holding fast. To it. He says, don't worry about it. Only hold fast to what I've told you until I come. Don't, don't pay any mind to this. Stay focused on what you need to be focused on. He's telling, in, in essence, he's telling, listen, I know that you're not following this, but I'm I'm going to do some house cleaning here. And that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm cleaning up some house. And some of you are holding these false doctrines, but some of you are not. Those of you in a church that are not, keep the faith. Keep doing what I've told you to do. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the doctrines that I teach until I come. Until I come back for you. Hold fast. To him who holds fast at the end, I will give him authority over the nation. If you hold fast the proper biblical doctrine, the the Bible, Jesus promises us that we'll be given authority in heaven. There's going to be a season and a time during during the the reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to have, people think, oh, when I die, when we go to heaven, I'm going to be on a harp, I'm on a cloud playing a harp. That's what people think. No, it's... We're going to have jobs in heaven. We're going to be doing stuff. For some reason, my dad said he wanted to be the sheriff of Washington, Osage County. I think that's a bad idea, but that's, you know, that's on my father, not me. I have no desire to want to do those things. But he says, I'll give you authority. I'll give you a job. I'll give you something to do during this season. The one who conquers and the one who keeps my words until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. That's Jesus ruling with a rod of iron. As when the earth when the earth pots are broken, earthen pots are broken into pieces. So he's like there's gonna be t- God's gonna rule like when Jesus sets up his kingdom, there's no, no more NAACP or, or, or any other of these weird groups that, well, we need to, we need to see what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the lawyer's union thing. Jesus will rule this place with, place with an iron fist. 
There will be no more debate on who's in charge. Amen? There will be no more debate on who's in charge. Christ will rule this place with an iron rod. And I will give him the morning star. He who has ears, let him hear the Spirit. What the Spirit says to the church. Guys, now is the time to be holding fast to the doctrine and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now is the time for the church to have solid biblical teachings. And I think we're, we're about to, like, listen. I believe that the church is going to walk into some seriously tumultuous waters in the next several years. I just, I believe that. We've seen a glimpse, a small glimpse this year. People are being arrested because they're having a song service in a parking lot. Pastors in America are being arrested because they refuse to believe a fake narrative of, oh, we're all going to die. And they said, you know what? Before the foundation of the world, God determined my end. God determined from the beginning when the end was. God set this up. He's sovereign over all of it. So God says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry. Don't stress about this. And then he says in Hebrews, do not. I know in the last days, the people are going to start forsaking the gathering together. Don't do that. Keep coming together and gathering together and encouraging one another all the more. As you see that day approaching, that's when it's going to. Now is the time when the church needs to hold fast the biblical teachings. And I do think we're really going to walk into some crazy times. And the only thing that's going to get us through those crazy times is being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Amen? Amen? I just think it's interesting. I wrote this as a side note because I, I finished up writing my sermon and Noah was home on, the, on a virtual Friday being taught virtually. And then after the teaching was over, he had to read some stuff that was in there. And they were teaching about Zeus and Apollo and all these guys. I mean, they're using as literary types, and I get it. But I think it's interesting that we're still teaching our children about false gods, but yet we can't teach our children in school about the one true God. And yet we're wondering, I wonder why we got so many riots and problems in the world. Because we have refused to see the God of the universe as who he is. We refuse to stand and say, thus saith the Lord. We refuse to stand in the public square and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. We stand in the public square now and say, well, you can get to God any way you want. You can get to God any old way you please, any old way you choose, and at the end of this thing, it's gonna be, you're going to be totally fine. Don't worry. Well, Jesus gives us a very strict command in Matthew chapter 7, and he tells us, every, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? In your name, did I not do many mighty works? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. 
the many in verse 22 is the same many that's up in verse 13. Did you know that? When it says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate that is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. That many is the exact same many that's here in verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, all those people that walk through the wide gate thinking they're on their way to heaven because the Satan, because Satan's a liar and he's put this banner up that says, this way to heaven, come on, follow me. And so the whole way they're thinking, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. And then they get there and they're saying, God says, your name's not in the book of life. Whoa, wait, 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 God. I did all these, I mean, I went to rallies for your name. I went to camp for your name. I went, I was, I was, you know what, I was even a member of a Baptist church. I didn't show up, but I was still a member. Uh, I did these things, I built, I helped, you know what, I, I clothed the, the, the naked. I helped kids in Haiti. I gave to compassion. I did all these things, God. That says, no, it's not about works. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Anyone who teaches or believes that they're saved by works is sorely misinformed. You're saved by grace through faith alone. There's not, a, there's not a grace plus some good works. It's grace alone. Christ alone. By faith in Jesus Christ alone. So we, we've got we've to stand firm on solid biblical doctrines, guys. And if you're here this morning, you say, man, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I mean, that's the question I have to ask you. Is if, if the world stops today, your heart stops today, and you're met with the God of the universe, and you're going to stand in front of the God of the universe, what are you standing on? Well, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Well, the Bible says that there's none righteous. The Bible says in Psalms that, we'll, we'll declare, that men will declare their own righteousness. I'm good. Are you? Are you good? If you died this very moment, you died on the way home, and you woke up, and you stood in front of God, what are you saying? Well, Lord, I did all these great works. I cast out demons in your name. I did this and this and what are you going to stand on? Are you going to stand on that or are you going to stand on that I don't deserve your mercy? But God, I believe you. When you said that you loved me, when you said that in the word in John 3, 16, you said, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, I believe that. I believe in the only name of the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for me and that I have repented and I have asked God to forgive me and to cleanse me. And I believe in him. That's what I believe in. I believe my, my belief is in you, Jesus. You're the, you're the only son of God. There's not multiple. There's only one. It's you and you alone. I believe that. Is that what you're standing on? Are you standing on your good works? Because if you're standing on your good works, you will be cut down. 